really knowing what not to say of the, you know, it's in God's plan, or if only he would have made it through the new year, or all of these kind of excuses, consolation prizes that are not supportive to the griever. Does talking about your money make you cringe? Are you tired of fighting about finances? Do you want to stop sabotaging your financial happiness? Then you are in the right place. Welcome to Breaking Money Silence, a podcast series aimed at helping all of us talk more openly about money. Your host, Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, is a wealth psychology expert who is doing what she does best, speaking about taboo topics. International speaker, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection, Kathleen understands money and our relationship with it. Over the past decade, she has empowered thousands of people to break money silence at home and at work. Now, here is Kathleen. Today on the Breaking Money Silence podcast, we're going to be talking about grief literacy with an expert. And why are we talking about grief literacy? Because I do believe that grief and loss and the financial implications are often a very taboo financial conversation. And so today we have an expert and educator, Kathy Vlasic. She is going to join us to help us understand how we can do a better job, whether we're uh, communicating with family members, whether we're professionals like financial advisors communicating with our clients, how we can do a better job supporting people and ourselves as we go through the grief process and and highlight kind of what conversations we need to be having. Before I officially welcome her to the podcast, I want to just give you a little bit of her background. She is an educator, grief literacy communication coach, corporate consultant, university lecturer, speaker, podcast host, and widow advocate. She teaches professionals how to improve their grief literacy communication skills to best serve bereaved clients. Uh, She has experienced her own financial uniqueness of widowhood firsthand. She learned that the relationship between professionals and bereaved clients is pivotal. I would certainly agree. And she's combined 25 years of teaching, coaching, and personal experience to create Grief Smart Advisor as a tool to help professionals retain, connect, support clients experiencing loss and grief. I recently met her maybe six months ago, and I am a big fan. So welcome, Kathy, to the podcast. Oh, thank you so much, Kathleen. Right back at you. I'm a big, big fan of yours, too. Well, thank you. I'm. It's weird to say I'm excited to have a conversation about grief literacy, but I am because I love to break through these taboo topics. And I know for the years that I've been training financial advisors and coaching clients, you know, th- when someone is grieving and going through this transition, it's just so important that we have an appreciation and a sensitivity and some of the language that we need in order to help uh, ourselves, our friends and family, and if we're a professional working with our clients. And it's often such a tricky, uncomfortable thing. So can you tell us a little bit, just to lay some groundwork, kind of what is grief literacy and how did you become an expert in it? Uh, Grief literacy, it's really a cultural conversation. It's the communication skills that normalize conversations where people can improve their responses uh, so that grievers feel seen, heard, and respected. 
you know, we were never taught the language of loss. And so we don't know these communication skills very well. And so we go to the, the similar, I'm sorry, or sorry for your loss. And those have been done. They're a sentence starter, but these are language skills that really can help connect people together, help grievers feel less isolated. And bottom line, there's just this big gap between true compassion and grieving, and it's in the language. That's the best place to start. Before you go on to tell us how you became an expert in this, I want to go back to something you just said. When you said it was a cultural conversation, can you say a little bit more? Yes. So I don't know if you've realized this, but we are a culture in pain and loss and setback caregiving, widowhood, divorce, suicide. These are skills that everybody needs. And when you can show up in empathy and truly acknowledge somebody's pain, they feel less alone. They feel like this is not only just happening to them. So this can benefit you at home, at work, at play, I, I call it a love language to the world. Interesting. You know, having worked as a clinician for 15 years uh, with depression, anxiety, uh, eating disorders before I embarked on um, working in financial psychology, I can tell you often, if you can just sit with it, it really is quite helpful. And um, it is very isolating when someone I've certainly experienced uh, the loss of my mother, and, and I can tell you that it, it's just so isolating. But I know for you, um, you're an expert because of a personal experience, but also because of the education uh, that you have. Can you tell our audience a little bit uh, about your story and, and why you decided to spend you know, this part of your career really helping professionals and individuals with grief literacy? Absolutely. So I'm on a mission. I personally was widowed young. I went from being a soccer mom to a caregiver to a widow in my 30s. And I was faced with raising five kids alone. And that journey and realizing now just the social, physical, emotional, and basically financial uniqueness of widowhood has propelled me to really challenge the world to step up for grievers because every decision I made as a widow had some financial component to the livelihood of my family and my future. So this is very purposeful for me. I feel like I was born to be an educator, but I'm just shifting what I'm teaching to the world and specifically uh, people who really help grievers on the financial side. You know, I, I teach at uh, Chico State in California, and I've been teaching for 25 years, and I train future teachers and coaches. And it's all in the art of connecting, engaging the learner. So I'm very much about data-driven instruction, putting theory into practice. So when I knew I wanted to do this in my 
I'm calling it my unretirement. <laughs> um, love that. When I knew I wanted to do this, I started really looking at the research and there was a big gap in how grievers are served. And in fact, in the financial industry, 80% of widows leave their current financial advisor within the first year, basically because there's no relationship or they cannot connect at an emotional level in communication. So I knew I could fill that gap. Yeah, that's an important gap to fill. Um, I've been working with financial advisors for almost 20 years now. And, you know, one of the things that I really think the field needs and you, you help fill this gap is the ability to train advisors beyond the technical, to train them in the human side of finance. And to really, you know, one of the things that I think advisors are so afraid of is that they're going to be perceived as therapists or they're going outside of you know, their, their comfort zone. And I think they're going outside their comfort zone as human beings and as professionals, but not necessarily when you're supporting someone uh, through the grief process and they're needing to make these financial decisions. I think that's just such an underserved audience. So I'm, I'm thrilled that you're, you're dedicated to doing that. Now, for people who are listening in who have experienced a, a particular loss or know somebody who is going through a, a loss, what is it that you think people should or shouldn't do uh, during that time? Because it's such a tricky time. Like I, I know I show up to wakes. I got to tell you, Kathy, I show up to wakes. I think about what I'm going to say. I get through that receiving line and I inevitably stick my foot in my mouth. So help me out and help the people who are listening to do a better job. I think what you just said, can we all can relate to. You know, even in my training, I still get in scenarios where I have to really think about exactly what I'm going to say. And, you know, we, we want it to come out authentic, right? We want it to be real. We need to get over that. We really need to script exactly what we're going to say to the grieving person. And it sounds something like this. You say their person's name. You know, I'm so sorry for the loss of your husband, John. And then you say something about them that you remember or that you are reminded of. Like he was such a loving father and a proponent of the environment. And his smile is genuinely missed. You know, something personal that says their name, acknowledges the loss and a memory. And we think, gosh, that seems, seems so fundamental. But you can say that in a variety of ways over and over and over. Because truly you are showing up. You know, you, you know what to say. And unfortunately, we're, we're culturally conditioned to cheer this person up, okay, to fix it. And this can't be cheered away. Really knowing what not to say of the, you know, it's in God's plan, or if only he would have made it through the new year, or all of these kind of excuses, consolation prizes that are not supportive to the griever. And some of the things that really do help from the griever's perspective is just the showing up, sharing space. Send a gift that's practical, a gift card to food, a gas card. Provide 
a neighbor who lost their spouse with some resources for car maintenance, house maintenance. When I became a widow, I didn't know who to call and who to trust because I was alone in a house and I just I just became a big fat fibber and pretended that my husband was there when a service person called. Uh, yeah, the big adjustment, especially it's, with five kids. It just didn't, you know, I wasn't brave enough to have one kid, let alone uh, raising five kids alone after such a, such a big loss. Well, it's a big hot mess on my end, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but some key things too, that if you know a griever, some things that, that they could do. As a griever, it's hard to ask for help. And that's one of the biggest things you can do if you're going through something like this is ask for help. Don't be afraid to delegate help. Keep a list right by the phone for when you think of things that need to get done. So when somebody calls, here's your list. You've got some help. And to really take care of yourself proper nutrition, sleep, move that body. We don't think of these basic necessities as a griever, but they're pivotal to your growth. And I really recommend anybody who's grieving out there is find some type of grief support, whatever you can afford. If it's a, if it's a support group, it's a, if it's a therapist, if it's an online program, whatever you can do to feel supported and it provides you a space to grieve when there's such a barrage of things to do. Learn to delegate and take time to yourself. Hi, it's Kathleen Burns Kingsbury. I hope you're enjoying this episode of the Breaking Money Silence podcast. I want to take a quick time out to tell you a little bit about financial therapy. Yes, financial therapy. That word keeps showing up in the media more and more, but I've been doing financial therapy for years. And in 2023, I'm going to expand this part of my business. And I wanted you, my podcast listeners, to be the first to know. If you're curious about what is financial therapy, just know that it helps individuals and couples change unhealthy money habits, attitudes that cause them stress, anxiety, and lead them to feel uncomfortable with money. If you have trouble making big decisions, if you find that you're shopping too much, carrying too much debt, worrying about money, even though you shouldn't be worrying about money because there's enough in the bank, it may be time to consider financial therapy. The benefits are numerous and individual, but former clients have told me that they have experienced in a very short period of time, a decrease in money-related anxiety and stress, they have less conflict about money in their relationships, and they engage in more productive money conversations. The advisors that refer clients to me say, finally, my clients can make the changes in their financial behaviors in order to save for their future. So if this sounds appealing to you and you want to know a little bit more, I have a special offer. I'm offering a free 30-minute consultation to anyone who's interested in learning more about financial therapy. You can email me at kbk at breakingmoneysilence.com or you can go to the show notes, click on the schedule link and set something up via my automatic calendar. If you're listening to this not on my website and you find that I don't want to do that, I would rather just reach out to you directly. Feel free to use my private email 
at kbk at breakingmoneysilence.com and shoot me an email letting me know you'd like to take advantage of this time-limited offer. So my hope is we'll chat about financial therapy soon. And now it's time to get back to our regular programming. Well, that's the interesting piece, too, about grief is when you lose someone and, in, in, you know, your life and a lot of the examples, it might be a spouse. There are some things that you need to do right away financially, and there's some things that can wait. I know, like when I watched my dad lose my mother, he he's always been a check it off the list kind of guy, right? <laughs> Very organized. So the first thing he did was write this huge list, and and I think it helped him to feel a little bit more in control of a situation that was out of his control and to check those things off the list. But I I do think that people put a lot of pressure on themselves, including my father, to somehow be stoic and get this all done and and do it perfectly. And so how can you give yourself permission? I do this with my coaching clients, but how do you give yourself permission to just do less? That, That part of your work what you need to check off the list is is grieving, and every day it's okay to take some time to do nothing. Does that make sense to you, or do you do you feel like it's a, a different type of advice? No, I think it completely makes sense. I think giving permission to ourselves is one of the hardest things that we can do. And just imagine anybody, even who's not grieving, if you had a list a thousand check marks long most people wouldn't feel like they had space to grieve. And so to really just realize that not everything needs to be done right away. And, and there's things that if you think of things of now, soon and later, those, that first month, it's basically just some essential paperwork, getting that filled out and sent in. And then you know, that one to three months later, you've, you're getting more organized and you're prioritizing some of the paperwork and tasks. And then further, you know, six months on out to a year, you're getting more information. The dust is settling. And you, if you want to make a decision, you're gathering information to make an informed decision. Because we all want to check things off our list but we don't want to make decisions too soon that will hurt us down the line. Well, the other thing is in in working with grieving folks is that, you know, cognitively, because you've gone through this trauma, usually people aren't really able to process at the same level for a period of time. So even giving yourself permission or reminding somebody that you love that's grieving, that it's okay to take that space, I think is so important. And it's, you know, I wish when it comes to grief literacy, I wish as a culture, we would reinforce that more as opposed to what I see, which is kind of like, okay, get back to it, (laughs) you know, which uh, is really, really hard to do. Exactly. You know, part of what I teach uh, with grief literacy is grief awareness. And, you know, grief fog, it lasts longer than you think. Many people will say it lasts, lasts over two years. Wow. And imagine when we're driving a car and our windows fog up and we have to navigate life for the next year or two like that. You just don't see the future. And when I think of the decisions I made early or what I didn't see in the future. It's like this thousand piece puzzle 
that I don't even have the corner pieces to yet. I don't even have the picture on the box. I don't know what a future looks like. So it's really important to understand that there's cognitive delay and forgetfulness. I mean, I really think I came, I had a first name basis with the gentleman from from AAA because he kept on coming and unlocking my car with my keys in it that first year because I just would forget everything. So it's really important to give yourself some grace, take the space to grieve, and not everything needs to be decided that first year. Yeah, and the other, you know, the piece is the support. And people get support in different ways. You've already mentioned getting some support through a therapist or a a support group. But I know there's a lot of financial advisors that do great work out there already um, with widows or people going through difficult transitions. Um, And I know you do a lot of work and training with these financial advisors. Um, When it comes to, let's just say, women and widowhood, what do you think advisors need to know? And why do you think they need this certain level of literacy in order to be helpful? I mean, it sounds like you, you may be able to relate to some of these experiences yourself personally. I think one of the biggest reasons that advisors are pivotal, and I had a great advisor, you know, I can't imagine where my life would be without him. But you're on the front lines as an advisor of bad news. And money and grief go hand in hand. Loss is expensive and it does affect the bottom line. And so when you can build that relationship up front with your clients, you can know more about their lives and their goals, especially from the female side, because you will have the longest relationship with a female. And most likely they're going to be a widow. And for advisors, that's a $30 trillion business of wealth transfer that is going to affect your bottom line if they leave you. And so having these conversations up front, this can't be new. It's no longer if this happens with your clients. It's when this happens. And when you say conversations up front, give give us an example of what you're talking about. So when I work with advisors, being grief smart is a value add. And starting these conversations and putting it in your brand message that you prepare both the financial and human side together, they're ready for these conversations. You know, the first one should not be blindsided. I mean, we can have resources. It can be in an email. It doesn't always have to be conversational, but talking about long-term care and how that affects, talking about caregiving decisions, knowing, you know, bringing the family in early to know who the players are and who the decision makers are of this family. And if you can have these conversations in calm waters, it'll make, make it much easier when there is loss and death and grief. Because people think that that grief starts when there's a death, but there's anticipatory grief. You know, if, if someone gets a cancer diagnosis or an illness or an accident, 
they're experiencing grief and uncertainty and loss right then. That is a key opportunity for advisors to check in, let them know they're there, see if they have any questions or resources that they might provide. Because when you're an advisor working with people throughout their life, you're talking about the quality of life. You're talking about the quality of how they're going to use their money. And you can't separate these two conversations. And if you want someone to truly care about your whole life, not just your money, these conversations have to start early and often. Hmm. That's such great advice for professionals. I think it's also great advice for people who are looking for a financial advisor to work with long term um, to kind of make sure that this is in their wheelhouse and that they have the resources and look at things from a holistic standpoint. Um, I certainly, uh, you know, believe that really high quality financial advisors are able to do not to do it all, but to holistically look at things. And I can tell you from my own experience, we about a year ago had a crisis with my mother-in-law and, you know, we had been working with our financial team for a while. And I can remember thinking at the time, I'm just going to call them because we had some financial questions and they rose to the challenge. And no matter whether it was a small question, a big question, they got on the phone with myself, with my husband, and it really made a difference and it really built loyalty. And it really made me feel like, wow, you know, I can, these, these folks are here for me. They actually really care. And I, you know, we talk about it a lot, but I think until you go through that experience and you go, they were willing to be uncomfortable and sit with this uncomfortable situation that we had. So, um, you know, I, I've experienced that, I think, as a professional, but certainly personally as well. And, and love, you know, all the work that you're up to, Kathy. I know there's so much more that we could be talking about, but um, unfortunately, podcasts are pretty quick. So uh, I, I'm curious before we talk about, you know, where people can find you, if, if you have a thought, you know, maybe one piece of advice you'd like to leave our listeners with as it relates to grief literacy. I think the one piece of advice is just learn one thing. If you can learn one thing to say to somebody who told you about a loss or one thing to say at a service or one thing to write in a condolence card, just start with one because what I teach is so learnable and it's so emotional that it takes a little time to get comfortable with that. But you have to practice it. And to just begin, start a conversation, maybe around the dinner table tonight, maybe with a coworker. Did you have a neighbor who lost a pet? There's loss everywhere and people want to talk about it they want you to know they're hurting, but the conversation to do this, we're not trained. And, you know, in my family, we've all experienced grief, so it is part of our language. We talk about uh, John all the time. You know, the end of a life is not an end of a relationship. And recently, my college-age son, he asked me, about a song that I loved. And I said, well, I really love John Denver's Sunshine on My Shoulders. And I want, 
I want it to be played at my funeral. And, you know, there was nothing after that conversation. Okay, he heard that and it, it clearly made him uncomfortable. But then a couple days later, I came home early from work and he was practicing that song on the piano. Oh, that's so beautiful. Oh, my goodness. Oh, I know. I'm telling you, people are hearing you. Wow. Even if they're not ready to join in on the conversation, because hmm. this is the stuff that life is about. Wow. So that's very powerful advice. I think leaving listeners with the idea of just take one small step to figure out, you know, what to say differently and to learn a little bit more. And in terms of learning more, tell us where listeners can find out more about your work, uh, your work with advisors, as well as any other um, resources you might have for uh, people going through this process. Well, you can find me on uh, my website is kathybalasic.com. I'm also the same name on LinkedIn and Twitter. I speak and train. I'm, I have an upcoming speaking engagement in San Antonio at Shift, uh, which is the human side of financial advising. And I just love people to reach out and help me understand where my skills can improve their influence with people, with their community, with their industry. So that's where I hang out. Excellent. Well, we will put that in the show notes. I also know you have a podcast, so we'll put that there too. And um, it's been lovely breaking money silence around grief with you today. Thank you, Kathleen. This has been a joy and really a privilege. So thank you. Thank you for listening to Breaking Money Silence, hosted by Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, a wealth psychology expert, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection. If you like what you heard today, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app and leave a review. Also, share this episode with your friends and family. It is a great way to get the conversation started. For more money talk tips and information, or to hire Kathleen to speak at your next event, go to www.breakingmoneysilence.com.